Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? You know, I was driving to work today, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, other than my normal thought process, which is the wheels and the bus go round and round, it's usually what's going through my head when I'm driving to work. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I have a three and a five-year-old. That's just where my thoughts are. And I'm hitting potholes, and I'm driving around, and I'm thinking, man, pavement is dumb. I'm usually thinking about how I wish my car would drive me to work. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like after the whole lifetime of, of building roads, like, can't we do a little better than this? And, you know, as I'm, I'm stuck on this thought process, I get to work, I sit down in the podcast studio for yet another episode of Startup Hustle, which today is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build development teams quickly and affordably. And in walks today's guest, who just happens to be a subject matter on integrated roadway technology. Isn't that amazing, the timing there? It's amazing. So can you make my car drive me to work? Well, hang on. We should interview, We should introduce him first. Okay, yeah. Let's I'm be polite. Let's I'm be, anxious. I know, you, I know you're in a hurry. I'm anxious. I know you like to go fast and talking about roads and cars yes. and wheels on the bus. is like vroom, vroom for you. But Well, with us today, we've got Tim, uh, Tim Sylvester, who's the president and founder of Integrated Roadways. Now, for those of you listening, you know I like it when you're interactive. So go to integratedroadways.com. So you can have some idea what we're talking about. Hello, Tim. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Thank you for the uncanny timing. I mean. Hey, I do my best. Timing's what I'm good at. It's got to be. So, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, we got to be able to do better with this pavement stuff. Tell me what you guys do at Integrated Roadways or tell us what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So we upgrade roads for the next generation of vehicles. Uh, We transform them into digital networks that collect data about traffic and provide a wide variety of services for connected electric and autonomous vehicles. You don't have to have a connected electric or autonomous vehicle to make use of it, though. Uh, But uh, the basic idea is that we had to upgrade our cable network for internet and our phone network for cellular. And so we need to upgrade our road network for the next generation of vehicles. Boom. I got to just go ahead and admit, I know nothing about smart pavement or any of that stuff. Well, so, and part of your guys is uh, you've, so let's back up a little bit. I mean, you've been doing this for several years now, right? For several years. Yes. Yes. And so if I remember from seeing before, another part of the, of your, the value of this was that the, you designed this so that the uh, installing the road was um, kind of like building Legos. That's absolutely right, Matt. And that's really where we started was modular roadway construction, mm-hmm. like Lego blocks to make it, uh, make roads better, faster, cheaper, uh, easier to build, easier to maintain. Uh, and eventually we realized that that is super important, but it is only a part of the problem. Okay. So then, but you still do that part of it too? Oh, like absolutely. it's still modular designed. So you in a factory, you can make the most perfect concrete in the world. That's right. You can bring it out and drop it down and boom, we're done. Yeah. And we realized that Factory production meant that we could sneak a lot of really cool tech into the roadway that you just couldn't do if you had the laborers there trying to put in sensors and networking stuff on the job site. So 
How big are these modules? Are they ten feet long? Like, yeah, it. I mean, it's it's uh, according the to the road's dimensions, but generally speaking, we're talking about twelve feet wide by about yeah. ten feet long. And so, what kind of sensors are you sneaking into these things? Yeah, so uh, we use the the basic model has a fiber optic sensing cable, uh, which measures the deformation of the road as vehicles drive across it, and that tells us exactly where all the tires are and when. So we feed that into a control center at the roadside that gives us all of the real-time traffic data. Wow. So, I mean, that's, yeah, no so, doubt. So is traffic data the most valuable thing, or that's just one of the things that it's you provide? Just, yeah, it's just one, one of, of the, the things. things. And we're basically turning the road into a computer. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to when businesses adopted computers, they adopted them for word processors and spreadsheets, right? So this is the word processor and spreadsheet application but as the network of improved roads grows, then all kinds of applications bloom from these basic features. So what other kinds of cool things can you do with the pavement? Well, um, I mean, other than, you know, pulling it out and dropping it in so that you can fix potholes so that you can actually prevent them from ever forming uh, or... Um, you can add in all kinds of new stuff like wireless services. Okay. 5G. Are you guys familiar with 5G? It's more like Wi-Fi than it is yeah. current cellular, right? So, uh, with 5G, you only have a couple hundred feet of broadcast area, which means you need antennas literally everywhere. Uh, that is really difficult because either you're dealing with the city that charges super high permit fees to place antennas, or you're dealing with literally every property owner along the route with smart pavement. You can hide the antenna in the roadway so that you have one company that you're dealing with that provides you access to an extremely large broadcast area. And most users of cellular are within 300 feet of the road. Yeah. So when you install this type of, of modular pavement system, does it have like a giant channel underneath it that you can run wires and cabling or things like that? And yeah, so you have a conduit that you need to supply all of the connectivity into the pavement slab. Okay. Uh, the pavement slab itself does not have um, like a, a a long line running through them, okay. so that when you need to fix it, you can lift out one individually and drop in a new one. But it connects to some sort of conduit that runs next to it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I think a reasonable question at this point of the episode is, man, how how the hell did you get into doing this? Well, uh, that's a great question, Matt. So I'm I'm a tech nerd, right? I always have been. Uh, I started uh, going online when I was about seven, which now no big deal. But in 1988, being yeah, sure. a seven year old online was a big deal. Uh, but I also grew up in rural Cass County, and so when it was time to get a job, I couldn't join a tech startup in San Francisco or even Kansas City. Uh, so I went into what was available, which was construction. And I realized pretty quickly that uh, construction was caught in a past age and they needed a lot of new technologies and techniques and everything. But the construction guys were not going to be the ones to figure it out. And at the same time, the technology guys, frankly, they usually have a pretty dim view of the process of construction and, you know, the laborers role and things. So they needed a new, a, a new attitude, somebody that could help merge these worlds. You know, I think it's it's interesting when you look at something like a roadway, which theoretically has been around since almost the history of people. Mm -hmm. You know, like it might have not have been a roadway like we know it, but it was a path. It was a horseway. Yeah, yeah, right. sure. And you know, some of the you know, we've had guests in here, 
in the past, like one of them uh, was Mobility Designed, who mm-hmm. did a redesign of the crutch. Right. And we're talking to the founder and he says, well, this is something that theoretically hasn't been upgraded or improved since the Civil War. That's right. And you, and like, it's kind of mind blowing because you think about it and you're like, whoa, that's mm-hmm. right. And like their, their simple change was you know, making a crutch. So it wasn't just destroying your armpit. Right. And you're sitting there thinking, you're like, man, this guy's right. That's 150 years. Like these are, these are now a road as, as much more complex and has a lot more to consider everything from pitch to, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to what goes in it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that some of the more, the more used and, utilitarian things on this planet sometimes don't go through the revolution that something like a phone does. Right. Well, uh, there's a high switching cost. There's a lot of friction. There's a lot of dependency on it. Right. But the thing is roadways were humanity's first networks and they continue to be the network that everybody relies on every single day. I mean, how did we all get here? Right. Uh, And on top of that, Technology companies have a huge investment in the operation of roadways, whether they like to admit it or not. Because how does your Amazon product get to you? Where does a Tesla drive? Where do Uber and Lyft operate, right? All of these companies are fundamentally dependent on a technology that has not significantly changed in a hundred years. Everything about our lives is dependent on the transportation. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my point. Like, I mean, then the crutch was just the best example that I had, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So, you know, anytime you're dealing with, with public works, Mm -hmm. which is what roadway is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the things that are always going to come up is, well, the cost, Mm -hmm. the cost, the cost, the cost. It's already really expensive to do this and that. Right. Is that one of the biggest barriers that you've had when it comes to getting integrated roadways in? Because, you know, anyone's going to, you know, any any public works or municipalities, Mm -hmm. we we, we hardly have the budget for for dumb roadways. Why make them smart? So is that that something you've had to overcome and how do you do it? That actually led to uh, one of our most important pivots was the realization that agencies couldn't pay for the way they do it now, much less a much better way. Um, So what we realized was that commercial enterprise is fundamentally dependent on access to roadways. And if we incorporated technologies that added benefit to commercial operations. We could generate market-based revenues from data and services that would not only offset the added cost, but actually pay for the entire roadway and theoretically take that entire burden off of not just the public agency, hmm. but the public in general. I think that's a really wow. that's an interesting approach. So, yeah. yeah. So what's a, a good example of that? Like more detail. Well, the, the first place is traffic data. Okay. People say, what am I going to do with traffic data? Well, lots of stuff, lots of stuff, you know, uh, Google and Facebook, their revenues are based almost entirely on the collection of traffic data, but it's internet traffic data. And it's, it's, uh, you know, a marginal cost to gather, and then they can maximize the value from it because it's all natively digital. So our first product, the traffic data collection makes it so much easier for you to get real-time data about what's happening on the road now, as well as data about the entire history of the road since it was upgraded. And I mean, I can share some of the use cases for that, but any given roadway has literally thousands of persons and businesses that are dependent on the smooth flow of traffic. I mean, I think from from the outside looking in, there's clearly like a ton of use cases for the mm-hmm. data. But uh, back to that municipality option, mm-hmm. I love the concept of 
of essentially crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at a recent guest the, who's like Dynamic Logistics with Jeff Oslander being in here, and they're talking about all the shipping stuff mm-hmm. and trying to like make it so loads are full mm-hmm. and just different stuff and like the connectivity issues. We had Idle Smart in here recently mm-hmm. that has you know trying to make vehicles not idle unnecessarily, right? And just like so many different things now. Um, you know, is it, and once again, back to the theory of, of startups and the hustle that you have to go through. And, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the hustle, man. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, it Cass County's rural, right? That's right. Okay. So, and most of our listeners actually aren't in Kansas city. So okay. we're talking where, about, are you, where are you from in Cass County? Uh, so I went to a school called Cass Midway, okay. which, uh, had a graduating class of 45. We did have 54, uh, before pregnancies and dropouts. Wow. I well, also from Cass County. Oh, really? Yeah, you are. Yeah, Belton. Oh, is that where? Nice. Belton? Okay, Belton. Sh- literally. Okay, here's the guy who grew up in Kansas City, and I'm like, where's Cass County? Yeah, Belton. Belton well, Harrison. But that's Ray well, that kind of says a lot, though. I well, mean, on some levels, okay. like, yeah, I get it. So. See, Belton's where we went for fancy restaurants. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't even know how to. I try to play. Uh, I try to play Kansas City translator for the rest of the people listening. So, he, so let's let let me for those of you not in Kansas City, it's outside of wherever you're at city limits. That's how you. That's how you compare it. It's a it drive out until everything interesting disappears. Okay, so now I love I love clever entrepreneurs, and I think that it was a clever approach. You're like, hey man, I got to get a job, mm-hmm. and then you're there, and you say, you know what? There's a, there's something we can we can change here now. We, we've spent a lot of time in the past talking about, about location and geographic uh, advantages that mm-hmm. your market might have. This isn't mm-hmm. just Kansas City. This is wherever you're at. And we've brought up the fact that Kansas City is a bit of a hub for transportation That's right. and stuff like that. Has that been helpful for you? It has been super helpful. And, uh, and please expand on why. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the largest uh, roadway, interstate, highway, and other infrastructure uh, engineering and design firms exist in Kansas City. Uh, we have um, some of the largest uh, by number roadway infrastructure uh, in the nation. And Missouri in particular is, I think, number three in the nation for uh, for lane miles. But yeah. at the same hmm. time, we're number 47 in the nation for funding. So we're in this unique place where we have an enormous amount of talent and capability specific to this market. And yet we have an explicit problem with paying for everything that we have. So, you know, I I think really it helped bring the needs of the market to an extremely fine point. And I'm not sure we could have gotten that kind of clarity and focus somewhere else. Yeah. And and once again, for those of you that aren't from Kansas City, why why is it an advantage? We're in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like Kansas City is basically right, pretty much exactly in the middle the original of the interstate started uh, yeah, here. yeah right you yeah. gotta be able to yeah. get from west coast to east coast you gotta come right through us well and, right. and even yeah. if you go started back here. if you go back to like good old cowboy Oregon times, trail well we have westport here mm-hmm. and westport yeah. was literally the port that yeah. you would stop at before your covered wagon went and the, exactly went, went the towards Oregon all, trail. all the directions and the oregon trail and speaking here. of oregon trail and technology we need to play that game sometime we do i will probably die of diphtheria you probably will yeah. I'll probably drown in a river. Now, the reason is the covered wagon. There was definitely no integrated roadways back nope. then. So, <laughs> okay. But, you know, and, and my point with that was I, you know, a lot of the folks that listen that have sent in feedback. And by the way, I want to give a shout out um, 
we had, uh, man, I don't even think I can say this name. Thanks, Johnny, for putting this on here and not spelling this out. Um, Abdekim Bhutan uh, wanted to point out that um, he's saying that our channel is underrated, uh, but it says it's he he says we're pro and to keep up the good content. I like nice. being, I like being underrated, man. Yeah. Just like Kansas City, I'd just rather like be City. underrated than overrated. Yeah, yeah. At least we're rated. That way we can just beat expectations. Yeah, that's so, right. So for those of you listening, once again, uh, check out integratedroadways.com. I, this is really cool stuff, and you know, really, I mean, this is the future. I mean, and and it's. Uh, you know, much like we looked at, at the crutch and the civil war, like mm-hmm. these are the things that have to happen. Um, I, th- I think this is cool, man. I, I had never really um, given too much thought about this. Now, one of the things that comes up, and I don't know if this is something you do or something else, but what about some of these roads that are like collecting solar power or something mm-hmm. like that? Is that something you guys take a look at or? You know, um, we get that question a lot. And the way I describe it is like uh, we're providing essentially the computer case, right? Okay. If, if you want to add things to go in it or plug in or go on top, like absolutely. We so can that's that. still a good fit. Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, look, even with all of those uh, solar roadway technologies, you still have to build a road and then put that stuff on top of it. Okay. Interesting. Um, now when it comes to all, everything you've talked about, this sounds expensive, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, have you guys had to raise money or like do anything like that? Is there anything that you, that you're, you you can or are comfortable talking about? Yeah. I mean, uh, look, we're, we're, um, we're in a difficult place for raising money, right? Like everybody knows that the Midwest is tough. It's, it's not non-existent, but it's tough. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's much easier to be lean, cost efficient and scrappy yeah, sure. here because cost of living is just super low. Right. Uh, and well, so is hiring uh, exactly and, and different stuff. Yeah. And exactly. as well as like, whenever we talk to people that are on the East or the West coast, or when I do, they, they immediately are fascinated and almost like obsessive about how cheap it, they, right. they're like, wait a minute, you don't pay $4,000 a month for 400 square feet. Right. Nope. Yeah. And, and people are always blown away by like what we've managed to do. So over the life of the company, we've raised about a million dollars. That's it. We've, yeah. Huh. Uh, we've made, uh, several hundred thousand in revenue. Um, when we closed our angel round, we actually had, uh, about half of the round matched with revenue at the time. Um, and you know, we, we are, uh, constantly fundraising. Uh, we're currently in a seed round and, that's going to let us scale past. Um, right now, we have about twenty million in, in projects that we're working on now, and closing the seed round takes us to about a hundred million in pl- projects. Um, but guys, the thing is, like, this is not small scale stuff, right? Yeah, yeah there, right. There, there's, you know, you're not selling something that's twenty dollars or fifty dollars. We're talking about a project for us being millions of dollars. And you know, making you know twelve percent on a project is enough for uh, for us to to not only sustain the company but grow the company, so there's a cash intensity here, but there's also uh, a lot of modesty to the actual financial need for scaling, especially compared to the revenue opportunity. Okay, is your model almost a little more like a licensing kind of play? Like you're not the one like building the road; you're licensing yeah. the technology and. Yeah, that it, part of it. licensing is a big part of it. And, you know, we're a supplier, we're a vendor, we are not the road builder or the engineering firm or uh, what we do is b- 
bring these technologies to the table. We turn them into products, and then we help engineers and contractors design them into the project. So instead of fighting with these billion-dollar heavyweights that are not just here in Kansas City, but every state in the nation, they become essentially our big brother, put their arm around us, walk us into a job, and they say, look, you know, we've got a contract with you for, with the public agency for $150 million, and we're going to add in a million dollars worth of smart pavement. It's not going to change anything for you. All we need you to do is tell us, yes, that we can do this, and then let these guys run the system after it's in. So is it really only that much of a difference in cost? Well, um, so like, you know, a, a straight unit comparison, we're about twice as much, okay. but we don't I, go I after- I think the challenge is the change in mentality. Right. You know, and you look at like, I mean, here's the thing is if you've ever seen a road crew or any of these folks, I mean, dude, it's really systematic. And mm -hmm. some of the people that, so I know, I've known a couple of people that uh, growing up whose families were either in the like asphalt or mm -hmm. road business. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, some of them are really big mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the people that, that, that choose that career. I mean, they are, they're basically professional roadway builders, including right. the laborers. They have a right. lot of experience with that. And uh, you look at just business in general, trying to change the mentality or any functional item of something that's right. that systematic is, is tough, you know, and then it just feels weird, you right. know, you know, like they're like, oh, wait, this is different. So, well, and I mean, that's, that's where the revenue opportunities and the financing come in to change minds. Because if you're, if you're getting something for essentially as much as you would pay anyway, or in some cases you might look at it as free, it's never actually free, but that's not the point. Um, it makes it a lot easier for people to adapt. And when the general contractor is telling the subcontractor, you're going to include this, then they just, they just do it because that's the way they work. Um, you know, and I will say a lot of times people think we've never done this before, right? Like we've never done this specific thing before. And I remind them that a hundred years ago, we had this incredible emerging mobility technology that needed a serious upgrade in infrastructure to be adopted. And so we figured out as a society, we figured out what, um, you know, what the consumables were. And I'm talking about the automobile here, right? So we created fuel taxes and registration fees and used all of that to pay for building out our roads. <clears throat> and all we're talking about now is this emerging, incredible transportation technology that needs huge investments in infrastructure. But the consumables now are data, their wireless services, their wireless electric vehicle charging. And so if we just, you know, implement the same model that we did when we were originally building roadways a hundred years ago. That's exactly what we're doing with integrated roadways. That, that was a question I had, cause you mentioned wireless vehicle charging. Yeah. Um, and you know, Matt's a, a proud Tesla owner mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that's all, you know, and I love the tech. I love the, I, I, I would love to, I don't drive an electric car. Mm -hmm. I don't really drive that much. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to switch over. Mm -hmm. And I see that being more obtainable. But when I think about, so my wife's from Indianapolis, which is a 500 some mile drive from Kansas city. And if she were to drive electric vehicle, there's range issues. Right. right. So is the a possibility of charging something like a Tesla or other cars while on the roadway? I mean, even if that's a 20 or 50 year, is that like, is that the intent? Oh, it's a reality. Uh, these, these systems are, they, they exist and they're working. Um, and you can actually get in an electric vehicle that only has a partial charge uh, 
and then drive over a wireless charge equipped interstate lane. And within 30 minutes or an hour, your vehicle is fully charged. Mm. It's a game changer because uh, as long as you're on uh, an upgraded roadway, you don't ever have to pull over and plug in, which means your range anxiety, instead of having 200, 300 miles, it's 200 or 300 miles off of the interstate. Yeah. I think, you know, you you talk about, I love the Lego kit analogy. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. And before we were recording, we were all kind of gushing over how awesome Lego Voltron is. Um, I feel as a co-host, he could really contribute a little more than just looking cool. Yeah, he needs to talk more. Yeah, I haven't heard a word out of him. But I, I like the Lego kit analogy, and I also think it's a smart approach of not trying to take on the Titans, but, but you know, partnering with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was years ago. I was in Times Square going to a business I won't name that shared a building with Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to the company CEO, and he was, and he, I, I said, if you could give me one advice, as, some advice as an entrepreneur, what would it be? He said, find the people on top and ask them to pull you up. Don't right. try to don't try to climb the mountain by yourself because what's easier? Right. And that's the perfect example right there. And mm-hmm. that also makes a lot more sense with the the capital raise situation because why be a manufacturing company? Exactly. And I think because I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, these guys are probably buying big freaking molds and just like all of it. And then, but then you look at, at, at materials manufacturing and I'm sitting here thinking, how do they haul these around? Like, right. do you, and do you have to do that? Do you have to we deliver don't. the, I mean, whoever's using it, do they have to deliver the blocks or do they pour something into like, how, how does it actually get? How does it, it get there? Yeah. 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 Well, so we always work with local businesses. There's production facilities for precast concrete all over the United cool. States. That's Any the way they build bridges app, and other things, right? Exactly. It's not new. And when we go to them and say, guys, we need you to build some rectangles with holes in it. They're like, oh, yeah, I got this. It's easy. Uh, <laughs> I got this. And by the way, once again, cool as shit, man. Like tapping into the local anything. Right. And that's got to make this an easier sell. Oh, absolutely. Like, like locally. It's not like, because, you know, you're in, Cap- well, let's go, you're in Sterling, Kansas, mm-hmm. right? Which if you've ever been there, is small. It's mm-hmm. like a two-stop white kind of town. And uh, and by the way, Josh, if you're listening, yeah, I picked your hometown. It's a good buddy of mine. Yeah, Sterling is always my, my example for rural Kansas. But, um, you know, when you're going to build something through there, in those communities, these kind of public works projects actually have a big impact on the local economy. Oh, it's added impact. jobs, it's different things. And this is where people complain a lot about government and the spending or different stuff. But this is mm-hmm. where that's kind of vital for a lot of communities. And I could see that just being a tough sell. You're like, yeah, we're not going to use the local this or this or that. But it, has that made it easier for adoption? Absolutely. Because not only are we keeping the money mostly in the community, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also leveraging their credibility and their relationships. We don't yeah. have to sell ourselves. Correct. We, we, <clears throat> we bring in everybody that Public Works already knows, and they're like, oh, yeah, I trust these guys. I know they're going to do a good job. That's good. Um, I'm curious about who, like, what level of competition you have, and we don't have to get overly specific, mm-hmm. but are, are you one of many? Or So when it comes to road building, obviously there's, you know, it's $250 billion industry. I mean right? more with the smart. With smart the smart stuff. thing, um, there's nobody that's really tackling it from a road first perspective, right? Like you've got the solar road concepts and those guys are technology first, kind of a bolt on. You've got a lot of smart infrastructure stuff that goes around the edges, 
Um, and then you've also got other precast companies that'll do a prefabricated roadway. We're the only one that actually gathers all these things together so that you have the technology in the roadway using precast in a way that uh, you know brings all of these benefits forward from this whole constellation of improvements. So where, where are some places you have this installed today? So the best place to go is uh, Brighton Boulevard in Denver at 38th and Brighton. And um, we have a, a, a test section that is basically our development board, okay. right? Whenever you're cool. building new stuff, yeah. you got to program it. Yeah. And yep. so we did a deal with uh, Colorado DOT in Denver in 2018 to build that strip. And now we're using it to build out all of the software interfaces. Okay. Um, later this year, we're going to be doing an installation in Lenexa, Kansas, okay. which is five intersections. And we're going to have 72 driving lanes upgraded with smart pavement. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, we've got a bunch of other projects that, uh, unfortunately, I can't really talk about right now. Um, but coming out of this year, we're, we're estimating that we're going to have uh, about a hundred intersections around the nation upgraded with this. And that's stuff. part of your challenge is your the the amount of time it takes to to get a customer, install it, all of that. That's like right. A very very yeah. Long I was th cycle. I mean that's not only a government sale, then it's a construction sale, oh, and yeah. then on some Eight of years it on, some of, on some of it too. So I live in Leawood, which is like probably the king of the roadways mm -hmm. here in Kansas City. Meaning like, I, what's a pothole? Right. Yeah, it, it, on the Leewood side, I mean, around my house, I'm like, dude, we really need to pave this road again. Mm -hmm. But then it's so smooth. And I'm like, oh, it is so, kind of nice. But but with that, you have to also have the timing right. of having the need. Yeah. And right. that's the main yes. thing is and that, eventually that's they the, will need to be replaced. Well, they will eventually need to be replaced. But if we just did them, then because right. you, you any of the anything he's selling is got to it's oh, man, the the layers of bullshit. And uh, well, the, the life of your product is what, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? 50 years. Yeah. And we prefer to call it complexity versus bullshit. <laughs> um, it is it is a very complex. You can call sale. it complexity. I will call it <laughs> bullshit because from my from my point, from like a, just a basic like out external view, I find the decision making process of a lot of things that we do publicly to be really challenging because people don't uh, usually adopt things that they don't mm -hmm. understand. Right. And some of the people that understand this stuff and vote on these things in committees aren't technologists and they might not care. Right. So you talked about doing this project in Lenexa and for mm -hmm. those listening, that's like a kind of a suburb around yeah. Kansas city. The, so what are they, what got them to do this? What, why are they excited about this? Well, they have a uh, rapidly growing um, mixed-use development that is it's called City Center. And about 10 years ago, they gambled that the future of their city was the City Center location. Okay. Um, and what they're looking for is better traffic information because they have all of these new developments going up. And yet they only get data about traffic flows about every two to five years. And even when wow. they get the data, they get about five days worth of data. So imagine you had a website that had millions of visitors a year and you only got five days worth of data every five years. Tommy, mean, this is a weird this is a weird question, but I mean, couldn't they just put a camera up and accomplish the same thing? You know, uh if only it were that easy. Not from connectivity. Not, I mean, a camera is not going to charge a car down the road. It's no, not but I mean, a camera can track of traffic. On some uh, of it, yeah. I mean, doesn't Google already do that? How's Google, how does Google Maps tell me if my route is clogged? Yeah, so they measure GPS signals coming from people's phones, mm -hmm. which ah. is actually a really straightforward hack. There was yeah. a guy the other day 
that bought a hundred smartphones that. and put them in a red wagon. Exactly. And and that was enough. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Tell me more. Tell me more. So so this guy put a, a bunch of used smartphones in a wagon, turned on GPS, and took it to a major intersection, and all the navigation apps stopped directing traffic there because they thought there was a hundred cars. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. So wow. super so easy. So and hack. he was doing that to prove like to this prove, isn't very accurate. Exactly. Not only accurate, but super vulnerable. Yeah, right? no, no. I mean thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so basically on the route to work, I, in order to get to work faster, I need to get a hundred smartphones <laughs> right. and, and bury them right, right. next to every intersection that I want I'll, to pass. I'll through. drive first exactly. ahead of you and clear the way with the hundred extra. I, I appreciate And that. then you can drive like you, a couple you, miles you back. You know, speaking, right. speaking of things that you can't hack is old technology, like the original mixtape, the game before we built the app and it's time to play. Have All you right. played mixtape? I have not. You know, Tim, I really think you're going to love this. And I think that that mixtape, the app, is something that we should probably build into integrated roadways. While we're driving down the road, we should definitely there, be playing. There mixtape. is nothing <laughs> more beneficial. Wait, uh, bad advice. Bad advice. All right. So mixtapethegame.com, the app's available on iOS and Android. Check it out. Um, I have pulled a card from the mixtape deck. I'm going to read a scenario. Now I picked it. I wanted to pick a, a vehicular related, okay. something transportation related. Okay. I also want to point out that if you ever listen to the band Cake, at least half mm-hmm. of their songs have some kind of vehicle or transportation reference mm. in it. Prove me wrong. Um, so I'm going to read a scenario. We're all going to name a song. You can't name a band. You have to name a song. And we will uh, hang on. Yeah. My golden cat is. Is he the timer now? Pun- no, he's punching you. He's going. Yeah, okay. You realize you're going to get a cake song. You just tainted the pool. Yeah, right? I know. I'm going to. Well, I'm, I'm going to. So. Um, have you ever just wanted to drive really fast? What's your go-to drive fast song? And I'm going with Cake, going the distance. He's going the distance. Oh, man, you you stole mine. I, I would say that's Fast Car by fast. Tracy Chapman, but that's more depressing than yeah, Fast. I, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I this is a total throwback, but if you ever played the Burnout games on PlayStation 2, the, the uh, track list for that was perfect you can't pick a track list from a video game tim you are almost (laughs) worse than watson i will sometimes just theme song from pole position yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow no that's not mine but i'm just saying i feel like that is probably um created with midi and like the world's (laughs) first keyboard and i feel like that my former employer roland licensed that to atari so yeah do you guys have answers? Yeah, Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts. Mm, not a bad. Is that oh, by Rascal Flatts? Yeah. The original? Or oh, did... maybe by Tom Cochran. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah. So which, are, you going, are you going with the Tom Cochran yeah. version? Okay. That could change my vote, by the way. Oh, man. There's no wrong answer, Tim. Just you, throw a song out. really put me on the spot uh, here. Or I, you're, you're going to time out on Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, and you'll have to sing it. Oh boy. Um, let's go with like uh, red hot chili peppers, probably something from Californication or you got to pick a song, dude. You can't pick an album and you can't pick a playlist. <sighs> I probably would have voted for the theme for the track music to pole position, by the way, even though I don't have any idea what that was. <laughs> I don't what, what's quick, Matt, look it up. What's the name of that track? I need a pick. 
we're all looking at our phones here. This is I'm just not. like I'm driving. Getting re- I'm getting ready to, to film a video to see who's going to fire the money gun, which, by the way, is I was going to ask about that. Yeah, you're stalling. You're stalling. I am stalling. I'm giving you five seconds before Tracy Chapman's it's, your answer. I mean, honestly, Matt, you totally put me on the spot here, and my mind went blank. <laughs> That's uh, we're going. He's going with Tracy Chapman. Oh, God. I can't sing. I'm going to warn you now. I can't sing. You don't have to. There you go. Now turn it off so I don't That's have to pay pick. royalties on it. Thanks. <laughs> what was uh, Excite Bike, actually? I oh, that God. <laughs> okay, we need answers. I'm voting for Watson. <laughs> I kind of want to vote for Tim for being a pioneer. You know what? I'm voting for – I'm, I'm going to let you just say all Nintendo vehicle. That's – I'm down with that. But okay, I, I vote for that. Yes. Sure. Because <laughs> I was also born in 1981, and it's very nostalgic. I regret to inform everyone listening that this might have been the worst example of a mixed <laughs> answer possible. And, and because of that, I'm going to, can I fire the money gun at Tim? Yes. Would I you think let that's me fine. do that? That's yes. Fine. You're yes. more than welcome. Well, to. I've been using the like, I better point close of, my, well, actually, I've been using I'm, the point of view. Here you go. There you go. Oh yes. Make it rain. There you go. I've always wanted to feel like a stripper. Hey, there's a $2 bill in here. <laughs> wow. Thank you for making that so much better and worth it. There. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I often wonder what the listeners answer themselves when it comes to mixtape. Guess what? If you want to find out, you can go play. There's like a, a group play. You can play with strangers or maybe myself or Matt Watson. Or, you never know. It might you, be there. Maybe Tim will be in there later looking. I think I will. Looking through the Spotify library for Atari themes. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I used to play the shit out of Excitebike, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Heck, yeah. That was, you know, once video, you talk about the complexity of things. Once video games went past the A and the B button, I, I they, they lost got too me, much. Man. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Like dude, Madden I mean, football is the best example of that. It's terrible. It's just got so many things, man. Like, I mean, I used to, yeah, Tech Mobile was pretty, pretty badass. Yeah. I like to picture myself as Bo Jackson in Tech Mobile. But I mean, who totally. doesn't want to be yeah. Bo Jackson? Yeah. In Tech like Mobile. Him. Right. In Tech Mobile right. as well. So I look like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt knows. Matt knows football. Matt knows baseball. <laughs> exactly. Matt knows podcasting. Right. Um all right, so back to what we were actually doing. You know, I have, I have I want to nerd out for a second. You you are a self admitted tech nerd. What kind of technology are you guys using with the stuff you're building? I mean, is this like true embedded like C plus plus stuff? Or are you doing machine learning? Like, let's I mean, yeah, um, get nerdy. So please, uh, the, nerdy and dirty. The, so so our, our developer team actually, um, and this is like super nerd stuff. Uh, they start with MATLAB modeling for yes, the data MATLAB. flow. MATLAB. And then that moves into uh, a Jupyter notebook in order to refine the algorithms, which once we've got something that's working on the pure data stream, then we turn it into actually a a C++ application. Um, And that, uh, so what we're getting, each each fiber optic line gives us about two and a half gigabit per second. And we need to translate that into a really minimized data set that can go into a database, right? Um, so then the, you got to process that on site. Exactly. We have an on-site server. It's a, a, a Cisco system, um, with a, about a 20 terabyte, uh, SSD in it. And, um, wow. yeah, huge. Um, and so we, we minimize that down to the metadata that we've derived from it. 
um, store it in a local database. We sync it with some video of the site so that we can make sure that everything we detected is totally real. Um, and then we upload that, we synchronize that to a cloud interface so that we can actually display the front end and the graphs and the analytics and all the pretty stuff. And for those of you listening, there will be a quiz on everything right. that Tim just mentioned. All right. So a couple of questions. And like we said, I feel a new section of, uh, I feel a new ongoing section called nerdy and dirty mm. coming. Yeah. Um, so do you use C++, C++ because it's lightweight? And it, and it does a lot of, you know, it's like, it just doesn't require the same kind of massive computing power for that big data, or is it because of the embedded nature of what you're doing? Well, it's because largely because of like the embedded localized nature, right? right? Like um, when we get to the point where we're doing like web enabled apps, that's when you get into things like, you know, JavaScript mm -hmm. and React and sure. all that stuff. Um, but right now it really is like hardcore data processing on the local server and the the web synchronization and interface is kind of a, a super light way of just displaying the data that we get from the local server. So, so when you build these seventy two lanes, you know, of, of road and stuff in Linux, mm -hmm. how many of these servers do you need? Uh, about one per intersection. Oh wow, that's yeah. still a lot though. It is. So you and mostly just install this at an intersection. So what we what we primarily do is build a stripe of smart pavement surrounding a super high traffic area, and that can be an intersection. It can be multiple intersections. It can be a ramp and junction system for interstates. So you don't need every. You're not trying to do every inch of a long road. You're trying to do just segments of it. Eventually, of it. eventually we'll get to the point where you build the entire road with it. Okay. When you're doing wireless charging, when you're doing navigation for autonomous vehicles. But right now when we're focused on data collection, it's very much location specific so that we can read the flows of traffic in and out of the area. Are you using things like computer vision as well? You mentioned the the video stuff. Yeah. And, that's, so, and, and by the way, computer vision is just something that pulls data off of video. I mean, that's right. the like the most layman way to do it. That's and right. People don't realize how complex that is because computers inherently don't see three-dimensionally. Right. So we've had quite a few guests, uh, Joel Tepley. Um, from Cambrian came mm -hmm. in and talked about computer vision mm -hmm. with us. Uh, Davion Ross at mm -hmm. Shot Tracker. They also don't see the way that we do. Our eyes yeah. correct things that computers don't understand. Well, and that's, that's right. And that's where that, that it doesn't sound at first. You're like, oh, this isn't that crazy. And then you talk about building neural networks and mm -hmm. like crazy, crazy stuff. And I didn't realize like how complex the human brain oh, was. Yeah. Like I had a I had a suspicion, <laughs> but I didn't really realize you're talking about just that depth calculation yes. and that kind right. of stuff. So are you, are you guys flirting with fun stuff like that too? Yeah. You know, it's all about the, the error correction of the automated counting systems, right? Like mm. if, if you are feeling the weight of the vehicle, how can you be certain that there was actually a vehicle there? Right. So it right, wasn't just a course he walking by. It's exactly. So right now. Matt Bo Jackson. Yeah. So right now what we do is we get the count calculation and then compare it to stored video to make sure it's accurate. Eventually, we won't need to do that once we've proven the accuracy of the algorithm. So you have videos. You also have the video feed of the intersections. Yeah. So, well. uh, but the video feed is aimed like at the sensor location in the roadway. So we're not getting like plates or faces or like, you know, whose car it is or what kind of car it is. We're just confirming that every time we think we saw a signal, 
that there was actually a tire over the sensor. That's yeah. it, it's interesting because it's just like literally, it reminds me of, you know, a former place I worked and they'd say CYA, cover your ass, mm-hmm. which was a completely different applic- like version of this. But, you know, you're, you're saying, hey, look, we're proving that what we're doing is accurate. Exactly. And by the way, when you're trying to detect me personally on the roadways, it's more about speed, not weight. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, fast, mm. fast. I'm talking on foot, not even in my car. Wow. Well, yeah. we, we only yeah. need 500 pounds over a six-inch oval. So, I mean, if you can clear that hurdle, we can see you walking around. Yeah. I mean, I move so fast, it's hard to gauge <laughs> yeah, the weight anyway. Kind of it's kind of like a hover <laughs> kind of thing. And so. He's got the football and he's making moves. And... Yeah. I just carry the football because it makes me look better. Yeah. Makes yeah. it faster. Never dropped it either. Never fumbled once. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminded me of when we had Kevin Lockett on here and you asked him in the first minute if he fumbled a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did I ask him that? You did. Okay. You did. Yeah. It's because I, I made a Kansas City Chiefs touchdown reference yeah. and you made a fumble reference right after that. I was like, great. Welcome to Startup Hustle. <laughs> um, so well, uh, for those of you listening, once again with us today was Tim Sylvester, the president and founder of Integrated Roadways. You can go to integratedroadways.com. If you want to check him out on, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, just go to at integrated roads or at integrated roadways. If you want to see how beautiful we look and confirm that our faces are in fact made for radio, then you can visit the startup hustle YouTube channel. If you want to watch me shoot Tim with a money gun, you really should Instagram, maybe TikTok. who knows, who knows (laughs) on the gram, there might not be enough time. You never know if you maybe we'll put Lego Voltron on there. Who knows? Um, so we like to end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle, mm-hmm. where we just kind of we're just going to do a lap, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll let you go ahead and lead that off. And uh, what would you like to say to the world of startup founders or anyone else in general uh, on our way out of this episode? Wow, um, you know, uh, I guess an overnight success is not done overnight. Right. Like everybody that you've heard of True. that has transformed the world has been at it for literally years before you ever knew who they were. Facebook was not Zuckerberg's first business. Um, Uber was not uh, Kalanick's first business, uh, nor was Tesla Musk's, Musk's first business. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I, I believe in fail fast when it comes to a specific effort. I don't believe in fail fast when it comes to an actual startup. Good startups often take a lot of time to get somewhere. And if you know what you're after is valuable, don't give up right before you hit it big just because it's tough. Yeah. Just got to keep making progress. That's, That's right. Thing. Master Watson, what would you like to grace us with today? Well, I think Integrated Roadways is a, is a great example of a different kind of tech company, right? Um, doing a lot of high tech stuff in an area that's not very high tech. I think the biggest challenge you have is the sales cycle of this, mm-hmm. the installation of it. All of that is forever. But it sounds right. like probably once they get it installed, you've got a great revenue stream that's there for a very long time, right? Exactly. So that that's the good thing about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a great example of a just totally different kind of business. So I know you've been at this for a while and 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 you talk about the perseverance of it. And part of it is the long sales cycle, right? It's like, right. oh, it took us two years to get Lenexa to do this proof of concept. And then we get the next one and it takes two years to do that. And then the next one, the next thing you know, you get like a thousand people that want to do it. Yeah. Exactly. That's the goal, right? So it's just getting the ball rolling is right. the hard part. So just well, got to keep fighting. And if I could chip in there, actually, the the first project that we did, the proof of concept took two years. Lenexa only took six months. Nice. Yeah. There you go. So once again, Tim, thanks for coming in. 
Thank uh, you. I, th- I found this to be fascinating. I think this is really cool. Um, for my for my freestyle on the way out, I, there's a couple things I I, I want to uh, parlay off of your comment about no overnight successes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went out a few years ago trying to prove that wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about some of that in my book Balance Me, mm-hmm. uh, where I have literally, and I'm still trying to prove this wrong. Um, we often look at people and we're like, wow, that person's really talented or they're really lucky or they got discovered. When you get underneath the surface of that, you always, you, you, while some people you may find have a higher aptitude or ability to, well, I, I often look at guitarists Mm -hmm. uh, because they're super computers in their own right. In many ways, those guys practice a ton. You look at athletes and you're like, ah, this guy's got so much talent. Yeah. Do you know how much time they spent building that and developing it, they weren't an overnight success. This is, it's years of perfection, of repetition, of thinking about it. And in many cases, being obsessive slash crazy about being the best at whatever it is that they do. I don't think if, if you don't have the drive and focus and borderline obsession with whatever it is that you're trying to do, someone else might, and they're probably going to win. And, and, and it's not, um, it's not always a sprint. It can be a marathon. Uh, also, I want to not only compliment you on taking advantage of or, or being focal around your own geographic strengths, you know, like transportation in Kansas City is a, is a good place to start. And I want to encourage people that are listening, whether you're in Thailand or Germany, the Philippines, Australia. Do you know the Australia is now the second highest listener count. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So, but with that, there's a problem that that needs to be solved wherever you're at. And there is something that your hometown specializes in or your region is. It's a good place to start. I mean, it might not be, you know, you mentioned like the Midwest and Kansas is not sexy. Mm -hmm. It's not, man. It's not, it's, it's fine. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm cool with that at all. And you know, like, so what can you do to work within the strengths of, of those or that is in your direct vicinity. Right. Uh, Matt, there are huge problems everywhere, yep. everywhere. Yep. Well, speaking of huge problems, I'm going to uh, go get ready to travel to Asia. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.